You are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, and across the table from me is... Wayne Randolph. What happened in the middle name? Wayne David Randolph. There he is. I no, almost I'm, didn't no, recognize I'm here. <laughs> awesome. You, Hi, left out, you left out your middle. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Um, I'm all right. I put in some really expired ibuprofen into my body. You feeling a little better? Yeah, I think so. It expired in 2013, um, and I did a little research, and it seems like it might be okay. Is it more for like legal purposes so that yeah, people can't sure. get sued? Um, they did a military study saying that after 15 years past the expiration date, ibuprofen still maintains most of its potency. When, <laughs> for some reason, as soon as you said a military study, I just went to all these crazy like like laboratory tests that we do on mm. like was that on soldiers? I don't know. That's not what we're talking about today. No, it's what not. are we talking about today? Wait, hey Wayne. Hey Wayne. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a store called Walgreens? Yes. Um, have you ever been to a Walgreens? I have. What do you think about it? Reminds me of uh, other similar stores like Walgreens, CVS, and Thrifty. And Today's podcast is sponsored by Walgreens. No, not really. No money was given to us by Walgreens. <laughs> but yes, I've been into a Walgreens and a CVS. Uh, what I think? Um, I, I felt like it was like a catch-all store. Yeah. Um, they're oftentimes called drug stores, yes. Yeah. Um, and Walgreens, I think that they're kind of on their way out. CVS is kind of dominating the scene. But Walgreens, for a while, was one of the biggest names in the drugstore industry. And you know how they got big? How did they get big, Chris Seals? Um, during a thing in the United States past called Prohibition. Maybe you've mm, heard of it? I have. Um, there was this uh, interesting streak in American history where um, people were not allowed to sell or drink alcohol anymore. Imbibe. Yeah. Except if you had a prescription. Stop, dude. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, you could get a prescription for only certain types of liquor, particularly whiskey. 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 Yeah. And if you, um, in addition to it being um, medicinal, it also had to have a doctor's label on the back. um, And it had to be at least 100 proof um, for it to be medicinal. Um, and so, yeah, that'll, that'll, yeah, that'll kill some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so during prohibition, um, really a lot cool. of, a lot of drug stores ended up becoming fronts for bootleggers, um, so that they could sell, um, spirits, distilled spirits. Dude, Chris, you, you are a, a wealth of knowledge, but I also know that you like love like researching stuff. So here's my question for you. Did you know this prior to looking it up? No. Because no, no, no. I've never totally heard that. That's really, yeah, that's really cool. Rad, huh? Like, I mean, just the legal part. I mean, like the, the doctor's note part. Yep. Now we have surgeon general warnings. Yes. That say you shouldn't drink while you're pregnant because of lots of things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing today we're talking about whiskey. Prohibition. Oh. Prohibition. Imbibing. Yes. So um, especially considering the, the perspective from which Wayne and I come from as Christian school Bible teachers... Um, when you read through scripture, um, sometimes the issue of alcohol does come up, whether it's in one of those open class sessions where it's like, hey, anybody have any questions? And one person raises their hand. Mr. Seals, is it a sin or is it okay to drink or is it a sin to drink? Yes. Um, or if we're reading through Jesus's first miracle in my Life of Christ class. John. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the wedding in Cana. He turns uh, six cere- ceremonial washing jugs full of water into wine kind of messes with the moderation yeah dialogue <laughs> right because they had run it's out not of six wine. small glasses it's yeah six maybe it was a large party okay i don't know all right I mean, it's so a wedding. Na- yeah so naturally um in the discussion comes up the the obvious I, th- I think it goes without saying to say that our our 14 and 15 year old freshmen um, and sophomores, <laughs> it's really wise to say, "Hey, you guys, you should you have no business drinking." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, probably. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that in the Christian community, there's um, at least in the Christian community in America, there's very little debate about whether or not um, people under the age of 14 or 15 should be drinking alcohol. And like, I, granted, I know that our church serves like real wine for communion and so like if you're a Christian you're under that age they get a little bit but but we're talking about people like drinking enough that it might actually have some sort of effect on their processing of reality okay head change is that the terminology you use 
that's yeah, that's the one I, I, I use. It'll come up as we're talking. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So so naturally the question is raised. Like there there's age things, there's law things, there's sociological things. But as Bible teachers, usually the first place we like to point students to is the text. Yeah. What right? does the text and, say? Which is really fun when it comes to this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so hopefully we can hit this topic from from two different angles. One angle being how do you talk to students about this? Right. But then two as adults who do have completely developed prefrontal cortices, mm. um, do we have any business drinking? Right. Um, and then those, and then your point one and point two, often um, there are times for those places to merge as exactly. well. Exactly. Right. If and so like, what is that like? Not necessarily just Bible high school teacher, but like youth pastor, mm-hmm. chaperone, adults, like what is that like, like having a drink in front of people? Like what is that? Yeah. So there's, yep. there's a lot there. And I, and I think too, like similar to our cussing, uh, episode, which was really fun, by the way. Thank yeah. you for the feedback that we've got from yeah, you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I think maybe a disclaimer is is needed that th- this is not we're not framing this a- as um, what you what you should and shouldn't do necessarily, or um, it's just more how how do we have this talk with students and help them to think critically as opposed to just giving them the simple black and white answer that they want. Yep, does that make sense? Yep, yeah, totally. So and so. Uh, Let's go. Where do we start on this? So, look, you want to start with um, well, we what mentioned the Bible says we about mentioned it? the text because that's what we do with, yeah. with the students. Let's and do so, it. I don't know. Do you have anything comes to mind? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind um, is that when it comes to a strict, clear prohibition of drinking alcohol, um, it oh, pick me, pick me. Yeah, it's really hard to find that in scripture. Wayne, go. That's right. Uh, the answer is it's not there. Yeah, Chris, uh, there's nothing in scripture that says you must not. Yeah, and well, there are, there are proverbs that seem to hint at which is one of the ones I was yeah. going to pick up on, and I think sure. that's a and even just there. Um, that's probably a cool place to camp out for a second mm-hmm. and just remind people that um, the literary style of proverbs is it's wisdom literature. Mm-hmm. This is not it's not doctrine, um, and so um, these these this is wisdom. This is saying, hey, th- if you follow these things, usually the outcome is is pretty good. Right. Um, uh, this is what kind of leads to the good life. But we, if you've lived longer than seven years, <laughs> you know that um, even even when you put Proverbs into action, mm-hmm. that life is just random enough that, that things happen. And so we don't treat Proverbs like doctrine. Right. right? And uh, I think it, that's it, important because I've had people bring this proverb up to me right. and say, well, no, you shouldn't do this. And I was like, well... It's well, Proverbs. just read what it... Anyways. Yeah, and if you, even if you read Proverbs carefully, I believe it's in Proverbs 19, but it's only separated by two verses. There's one verse that starts with, answer a fool according to his folly, basically to his, expose his foolishness. And then two verses later, it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And then it also gives you some sort of negative um, repercussions. And so there, there is like this... Don't, don't do this action, but do this but, action. Yeah, and I actually... Di- I have one of those. Yeah, go for it. Do it. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I, I was halfway listening to you, Chris, because I was looking at my my screen. That that device destroys community. Well played. Go on. Proverbs thirty one four through seven. Okay. Yeah, for um, advice for King Lemuel. There it is. Uh, it is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. I, I can I can affirm that. Yep. Uh, but then, verse six, mm-hmm. give strong drink to the one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. Mm-hmm. Let them drink and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. Yeah, that's a head scratcher. I probably you mentioned ninth grade and, and sophomore Bible. I probably wouldn't. This wouldn't be the first verse I'd go to with yeah. with my students because yeah. it, it presents another kind of um, I don't know paradox for them. Sure. But yeah, so what do we do with this? Yeah, um, I think, well... Let's I mean, make doctrine if, out of it. Yes, let's make doctrine <laughs> out of it. I think the first thing that we do, like, if we look at it, is we say, okay, well, the first um, is pointing to kings and those who are in authority. And I would say that, yeah, if, yep. you, um, if, if you are given to strong drink, if you uh, um, are addicted to alcohol, or you are in such a state that you do not like being in reality on a mm. regular basis, um, then you probably shouldn't be in charge of countries. Totally. Yeah, and I'll... I, done and done. <laughs> and, I was, was going to say I was going to add. Have, I was yeah, going to add something there yeah, to it, yeah. and because I, I would say something that I can take from this wisdom, because um, I'm not a king, and I, I'm going to assume I probably won't be a king hey, anytime soon. You're a, you're a child of the king. Uh, thanks, thanks, Chris Seals. Um, but I am. I do have authority. Yeah, 
I have authority in my classroom. Yep. Um, it's very limited, <laughs> but I, I have power and authority. And so I look, um, I look at um, uh, my family. Uh, I, have, I, have, I have power and authority over my children. Um, I ask my children often, what, what is a dad's role? And I, I have them like kind of conditioned to say, uh, a parent loves, teaches, and protects. And that's what my kids say, right? So if I'm, if I'm intoxicated, even though I'm, I'm not a king, but if I'm intoxicated and have a head change, yeah. um, then it's kind of hard for me to make good, wise decisions. Um, maybe it's protecting my kids. Um, maybe I'm going to have impaired judgment. I'm going to be slower. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I think it's totally fine for us to look at this and find that wisdom and, and not write it off because we're not kings, mm-hmm. but to say, yep, this would make sense. Um, I, love, I love verse 5, actually. And by love it, I mean, gosh, in my past, <laughs> I can affirm <laughs> verse 5 in my own life, right? Yeah. Lest, they, or lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Right. I've made bad decisions when, when in my youth when mm-hmm. I had a head change. Yeah, and then uh, and then after that, it talks about <laughs> those who after. are in distress and those who are perishing, or which is an interesting one. That one, yeah. So it kind of seems to state like if you're if you're in a bad place in life, then give them booze so that they can forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Yeah, and, it sounds like escapism to me. Yeah, and, I'm a seven, right? And so, like, let's say that seems like the the negative phrasing yeah. of that. Um, if, if we turn that around and give it the, the positive spin. Um, hmm. Psalm 104, 15 talks oh. about God being the, the creator of wine that gladdens the heart of men. It's actually in the middle of a psalm praising God for the good things that he does. And one of the things that is listed is praising God for wine that makes our hearts happy. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and it's right there. It's packed in with grass for the livestock, Mm-hmm. Food for, for us, wine to gladden our hearts, oil to make our face shine, bread to strengthen our heart. Right. And so, so these all, I mean, it's lumped in with bread and food. and Yeah. Huh. And again, if we're, if we're going to pay attention to genre, this is a song <laughs> meant for singing. Um, this isn't necessarily the best place to pull doctrine, but it might be on better ground than Proverbs in that even some mm. of the New Testament writers quote um, the book of Psalms prophetically yeah. and prescriptively. Yeah, so there might be something there. But nevertheless, we see in the text... The relationship with um, alcohol is not strictly prohibitive. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, and then we, we already kind of alluded to um, to Jesus' first miracle, turning water into wine. And I know that, I mean, even in the um, some of the traditions in which I, I grew up, it was like he turned water into grape juice. Um, and that was the best kind young, of the young day. Young wine. Yeah, young wine. Which, But then the following line after he makes it, um, the, the master of the that- banquet says... People usually give the best wine up front, and right. after people are drunk, then they the give cheap. The, the cheap wine. But you saved that wine you for the end. You gave the good, good yeah, stuff to yeah. us up front. Yeah. Which sort of seems, I mean, if you just, all you have to do is employ a little bit of basic logic to realize that he's referring to good wine that makes people potentially drunk. So like modern times, like today, we would be like... Most people give the $40 bottle up front and save the box wine for the end. Yeah. But you, yeah. Yeah, but, well, box wine is on the up and up. I like you. I'm pretty sure some box wines have won some awards recently. <laughs> really Actually, cool. yeah, it's kind it's of right. fun. It's probably better for the earth. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it cuts down a tree. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> different episode. Okay, so. So there's that. Um, now, um, also, by the way, we, don't worry. We'll backpedal and reinforce the other side soon. Nice. Um, but also we have. Uh, one of Jesus's critics um, basically accuses Jesus. One of the main accusations thrown against him is being a glutton and a wine bibber. Um, sorry, that's King James or a, a drunkard. That he's a glutton and a drunk. Your inner Baptist is yeah, coming. Yeah, I know. And then Jesus actually refers, uh, goes back to him and says, "Okay, well, when John the Baptist mm. was in the desert, neither eating nor drinking, you said that he was a crazy man, and now here I am eating and drinking, and you call me a glutton or a drunk." So. Mm can't win with you people, yeah. basically. Um, so the, we have Jesus' first <laughs> Is that the moral of our, our, our podcast? Kind of, yeah. Can't win with you listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and then Jesus himself is sort of, I mean, he might be using hyperbole. Hmm. I, I can grant sure, that. Sure, he's but, Jewish. But he may be, he's, he's sort of like, he is dealing with an accusation of being a drunk, right? Yeah. And it's probably hard to have that accusation if you're not, at least in compromising situations where you're not outright condemning alcohol. Right Yeah. So all of that does seem to point toward this idea that if we're going to go for a clear black and white, 
no one should ever drink alcohol ever. It is condemned strictly gonna, by the Bible. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it in Scripture. That's right. I mean, we could tr- do our best to eisegete it in there, like to take our own desires and put it in the text. And I clearly, we have had some subcultures of Christianity, yep. geogra- like maybe geographically, like I think about the South and the blue laws and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or maybe other countries. Um, and yep. so, yeah, it seems to be more more of a, maybe a social cultural thing. Yeah. Um, however, we, we do still have, I mean, take Paul, for example. I think it's, it's good to analyze um, the sources of, like, these, I guess, these condemnations or these stamps of approval. And yeah. so, like, we've got Jesus um, talking about this stuff. And th- but then we also have Paul, um, who on one hand will say to people, hey, do not be drunk with wine. Right. Right? Don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Like, these two things are oppositional forces against each other, that you can be filled with spirits— I mean, your blood alcohol. Wank, wank. <laughs> your blood alcohol can I get was, too high. I was going to jump if you didn't, Chris. Yes, good. <laughs> um, or if, but then later in his letter to Timothy, he says, "Hey, stop drinking just water. Make sure you have some wine because it'll help your stomach." Yeah, it's good for your gut. So e- even the same writer will say in in one passage, say, "Hey, make sure that you're not toasted or tipsy or wasted or drunk." But then also he can still affirm the the use of alcohol. Um, in a medicinal way or in a way that may even be helpful to one's well-being. As long as there's a doctor's note and it's 100 proof. Yes, 100 proof whiskey only yeah. for Timothy. Okay, so what we, that, that makes me automatically kind of go uh, with Paul talking, when he starts talking about like food, like kosher stuff and, yeah. and um, food. Uh, I think in, is it in Corinthians, like with the food with idols. And, mm-hmm. um, you got Romans 14. Um, that's your class, huh? Yeah. I should let you talk about it. That's okay. But, cool. But yeah, just the, the is this idea where he of, talks about like, like, like not lording stuff in front of people or. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, um, he uses the terminology, the weaker brother, but I don't want to sound like a pompous jerk and be like, <laughs> so let's take shots in front of our weaker brothers who don't drink weaker people. Oh, um, yeah. There's a different kind of PC back then. huh? Yeah. But, but he, <laughs> he talks about if you have weaker brothers who, um, only want to eat vegetables because they're afraid of violating what they think is wrong by eating certain types of meats, then, hey, don't flaunt your liberty in front of them and eat idol-sacrificed yeah, meat in front of them. We might say today, like, really? Like, that's what you're going to, right? Like, this right. is the hill you're going to die on? No, I'm going to have my drink in front of them. Like, no, yeah. don't be a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Pick uh, your battles wisely, man, which yeah. if you go two chapters before, he says, do your best at all times to be at peace with all people. Right. right? And so... <laughs> Yep. And and so I I think that even if you know these things about Scripture, there's still a large amount of people within the Christian tradition who are brothers and sisters who would say that no abstinence is the is the way to go. And that's the the way that I am going to choose fidelity to Christ. And then I think to um, look him in the eye while pounding a beer is probably not the best way to have an interaction about this. That's not agape. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And, And Paul spends a whole chapter saying, hey. If you're going to eat this stuff, great, fine. And if you're not going to, I mean, you probably don't understand the grace of God enough yet, but that's that's okay. Yeah, but um, that's where you're at. That's where you're at. <laughs> um, and those of you who do get it, don't flaunt it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I've been guilty of that in my youth. Right. Just with any, I mean, with any of these little smaller nuanced ones, I mean, right? Where yeah. it's like, no. And that, it's funny because we brought up the um, the, the first miracle. Um, usually when that miracle comes up, like in a conversation, I would um, I've used it in my youth to be like, well, yeah, but like Jesus made made wine, and I think what we're 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 implying, but not saying there, right, is like we're not saying that Jesus like got tossed, right? We're not, but you know what I mean. But like, it's usually like the drunkard who wants to say, but like Jesus made, you know what yep. I mean? And yep. we like just Absolutely. make we have to make little silly nuances. And yeah, so, yeah. I, I like that we're doing this. Even just how do we talk about it? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and and I think that. Um, it, what Paul talks about Ooh, in First Corinthians ten, um, with he he says twice, like all things are permissible, um, but not all things are edifying. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Right? right? I think I reversed those, but either way, there he he sort of makes this statement. Um, the word for permissible that is used there, everywhere else except for those two occurrences, is translated as lawful. Huh. Um, and it's in this treatise where he's talking about like the the people's relationship to the law. So he's like, okay, if we're talking about the law, then yeah, fine. Who cares? Like, it's okay. But not everything is beneficial, guys. Um, and yeah, if we're Is that talking- the same part where he talks about like it was all rubbish? Mm. <laughs> like the way living the law? Mm. Never mind. Sure. Anyway, anyway yeah. sorry, go ahead. Same dude. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> the same guy who's like the law is rubbish. Yeah. 
and so I, I think what he's pointing at there is the thing that we're I feel like we often say um, is is that there's usually something under the question or there's usually something under the assertion. And so right. if we're bringing up Jesus's first miracle to justify drunkenness, right. then you I mean you're then, not reading. You, you might be filled with a spirit <laughs> other than the spirit of God more often than not. And, and for those yep. of and for those of us who have like experienced drunkenness, then I think it would be. I think it's not too much of a stretch to say that, yeah, if you're not in control of everything, um, then it's probably not the spirit of God who's controlling your actions mm. anymore, right? Yeah, and, but, I, and I, I would say that that's that's a that's a big deal, especially for New Testament writers. That, yeah, that we have we have given up our life, we mm-hmm. we die to ourselves, we are now joined. I mean, there's a lot of like like marriage type of language there. We are now joined to Jesus. We are now joined to His Spirit. Um, so yeah, to be joined to anything else, yeah. whether that's food or temple prostitutes, it comes up a lot when when, when that that's going on. Like, like we're to be joined to Christ only, and so yeah. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I hear it. I see it. Yep. It's and, there. <laughs> and I and I think that um, if we are doing our job correctly and doing a good job, then we'll be pointing to this the issue that's under the surface and saying no, um, a life that is fully submitted to the Spirit mm. and not controlled by other things is the kind of life that we are called to live. Um, and I think that what Paul's doing in first Corinthians, um, chapter 10 is he's demystifying, Mm. um, sin, right? He's, or not even just sin, but he's demystifying certain behaviors because, um, Peter Rollins, that one philosopher theologian, I don't know what to call him. Um, but one of the things he says is it's, it's the prohibition that creates desire. Yeah. Right. And so by saying, seems like Paul kind of talks about that with the law sometimes too, right? Like, so he's like, okay, guys, the law, everything's fine, right? By saying everything's fine, what he does is he removes the sting and the desire and the attractiveness of the unknown, right? He demystifies yeah. these behaviors that we feel like we need to hide and shy away from. Which is interesting, too, like, again, contextually for us in the classroom, especially, and I'm going to my ninth graders especially, Yeah, he's like, hey, no more asking, is this okay, is this not okay? Yeah. Right? Like, just just stop. You guys yeah. are, you're, you're kind of... You're missing the point. You're making it too easy. You are making it taboo. All these different little nuances that come about with it, and you're you're totally missing the point. All that stuff is crap. Right. Right. Like, let's get to the heart of it. Like, what's going on? And if you look at what he contrasts with lawful or permissible, is like the those heart issues. Does it edify? Yeah. Does it build up? Does it help? a person become a better human being yeah. um, and then beneficial, right? Like, does it, does it bring good into the world, right? That those should be our, our categories, like right. the affirmative case, not the, is it legal or not? Is it okay right. or not? Right. Yeah. Even think about lawful, that smacks of Phariseeism. We're, totally. That's, and that was, that was the other thing I, I think with our, with our students is if they are framing it as the Pharisee, um, which is all of us friends, mm. don't, don't fall into that trap. Right. <laughs> it's all of us. But if, if we get into the, the this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, um, then what also happens is there's this also uh, this ramification or this kind of byproduct of that with our students. So then it's like, so then if I do this this thing that is bad, then I've like, for many of them, if you really unpack it, then it's like potentially I've lost my salvation. Mm. Um, I've had this talk with my students lately because they'll ask those questions and, I, and I'll, I'll kind of talk about it in such a way, but I'm like, are you in a roundabout way asking me like if you were to die on the way home today and you did one of these things on the on the wrong side of the list are you are you fearful of the afterlife you know what I mean like because yeah. it, it does it exposes it and so it, it exposes uh, a lot of their pharisaical religion right. and and I love that Paul's like nope y'all are playing the wrong game yeah right you're playing the wrong game now let's go over here to this one let's be mature mm-hmm. let's move over to the meat <laughs> right yeah. Here's what students have to say about drinking alcohol. So for Christians drinking alcohol, I, I think it's Christians right or wrong. I think it's okay for Christians to drink alcohol. I think it's okay for anybody to drink alcohol as long as they're above the age limit, of course. But um, I think really where the problem lies is just knowing when to stop drinking alcohol. Knowing your limits when drinking alcohol. I think that the answer to the question, should Christians drink alcohol or not, is not as black and white as most people want it to be. And while alcohol can become an addiction, I think that things such as people or money or TV can be an addiction just as easily. 
So I think that Christians need to practice self-control in whatever area that they struggle with. Um, so I think that the, the more important question would be whether or not like consuming alcohol is becoming an idol in your life over God rather than whether or not we Christians should be drinking as a whole. I think Christians drinking alcohol is okay under certain circumstances. I think A, if it follows the rules of the country slash family slash culture you're a part of, and B, if you can contain it and control it to the point where you don't lose your like mental consciousness, you don't get drunk, you don't do things that you lose control over. So if we're viewing this concept through a moral lens, then as far as I personally understand, sin is the disruption of the shalom that God instilled in his initial creation. Considering that drinking to the point of debauchery has harmful physiological and social effects, it definitely has the potential to have a negative impact on our relationships with ourselves and others, breaking shalom. But drinking in moderation often does the opposite, allowing for healthy enjoyment in such relationships. So yeah, I'd say that like anything, drinking alcohol can be something good and beautiful, but taking it out of proportion and context makes it destructive and therefore wrong. When it comes to Christians drinking alcohol, I think uh, alcohol is not the problem. It's all right to drink uh, if you're a Christian. I mean, Jesus turned water into wine, so if, I mean, if he would do that, then therefore I could see, you know, people being allowed to drink alcohol, even those who believed in Jesus. The only thing I find is if people put alcohol before God and start worshiping it and become addicted, that's when alcohol gets wrong. But if, is it wrong for Christians to drink alcohol? Not necessarily, depending on their addiction. And then, and I think, I guess this is maybe a rabbit trail, but closely we tied. We like rabbit trails. I love rabbit trails. I'm closely tied to this issue of prohibition creating desire and making these sort of lists actually making things more desirable. I, I think that there's a, there's a common assumption going around that like people in Europe have a healthier relationship with alcohol um, mm. than in the United States. Um, and, and because they, they've taken, like they removed, removed the stigma. Right. Basically. Right? And, and a lot of the, some of the countries don't even have legal drinking ages. Some of the countries have legal drinking age of 16 or 18. Um, and the United States has our drinking age of 21. What? Um, and so some people, <laughs> yeah. So, so some people are like, that, that's, that's why that we have such crazy binge drinking behavior in, in college students and even in high school students. And what's, What's interesting is statistically, like anything that is hotly debated, um, there are amazing articles written on both sides, on both sides. <laughs> um, citing similar studies yeah. pointing to um, these realities. And so I, I think that even even in my like in my own analysis of the the data yeah. and the different charts, I, I think it's interesting because they they'll say that. Um, some of these, some of these charts. There's an article um, written by Boston University. It's part of like this this long um, series, and, and like one of the staggering figures is that um, annually alcohol contributes to 1,700 deaths, 599,000 injuries, and 97,000 cases of sexual assault among college students alone. Like we're not talking across the uni entire United States, yeah. but just just among college students, where this binge drinking culture. Um, it kind of seems to take place. So it's not beneficial to everybody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that what we're... And, and so some people look at those figures and say, well, it must be because of the, the prohibition culture, of the, the stigma attached to it. Because if people were socialized and raised in a culture that, that demystified it, mm. then it might be better. But then on the other side, you have people citing studies saying, however, there, there's greater amounts of binge drinking in, like statistically... Per capita, there's more alcohol consumed in these European countries, um, and more teenagers from ages 15 to 19 report drinking or getting drunk, to which I would probably say, well, if it's legal, then it would make sense that they'd feel comfortable self-reporting and saying, yeah, I had a drink, mm, okay. and yeah, I got so maybe, so maybe our data drunk. skewed a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so... I've been to Europe, though, Chris. Yeah. And I, know, and I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> You've been to no, all of Europe. Uh, no, there, there's... there. Yeah, there's there's... The stigma is not there, but yeah. that, that, that does not mean that the drinking is not there. Right. It is. It is. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think that... Um, <laughs> Some good ones, too. So, uh, I guess, rel <laughs> I guess <laughs> in relation to the European conversation, um, even though there are higher incidents of drinking um, in Europe, particularly among teens, um, more people are dying from alcohol in America 
per capita than mm. in European countries. Um, and so it, it just shows that, like, I feel like if we're trying to cite statistics, um, <laughs> quantitative research um, can tell us a lot of things. Um, but I don't think, I think especially for people in our profession, I think that we can get a lot more from a simple conversation with a student yeah. to know if they drink, are they going to get plastered? Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, are they going to abuse it and make terrible decisions? And mm. the the answer for most people with undeveloped prefrontal cortices no, not is, me. <laughs> is, yep, they're going to make bad choices. That their reward center is right. going to light up like right. crazy and when they, it. yeah, and they're going to love it and then they're going to get gratification from engaging in risky behavior like driving or thinking that someone does actually want them romantically mm, when they don't or yeah. yeah. Mm. So <laughs> just to give you a picture of some of the, the convoluted statistics, um, this one article I was reading was talking about how in Denmark, um, how in Denmark there is the um, highest reporting of um, binge drinking. Interesting. Um, we say highest, highest among 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 across Europeans? the board. Yeah, across the uh, no, the, like the Europeans world. and North America. Okay, highest binge drinking. Um, yeah, okay. particularly among teens. Okay, um, but uh, that piece of information also um, in my head. I remember reading an article a couple years ago where people were measuring um, gross national happiness, and Denmark was proclaimed as the happiest place on earth. So I, I guess it was Bhutan. No. Oh. Maybe maybe this is a twenty. Hey, any chance study? I have to maybe have a statistic that you don't, I'm going to throw it out there. But, it, <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah, yeah, to say that I'm th- a jerk. This place that at one point was it's the, the worst, yeah, place it's on the happiest place is also the capital the of binge drinking. Binge drinking, which leads to right nicknames and scars and babies. Yes. And, now, if we're talking yeah. about the most hazardous drinkers, the where where death um, occurs the most, um, it would be Russia. Russia is the number one. Um, Alcohol kills the most people in Russia. Do you have a button somewhere on your computer that's like, if I say, it's story time, like it goes, yay, I could probably time. make that happen. Okay, post. so I'm going to tell you a story. I was, okay. um, I was filming in Uzbekistan. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is how all good stories start. Um, but I was filming with my buddy Brent. Uh, hi, Brent. Um, and we were doing um, s- some missionary stuff. We were, we were filming some like undercover missionaries mm-hmm. there in Uzbekistan. And we went out for dinner, and the restaurant was actually in a, a Russian, old Russian tent, which was already pretty awesome because yeah. we're from Southern California, and that's really different. Yeah. So we get in there, and it's um, pretty obvious right away that we're not uh, Russians, nor are we Uzbeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people start looking, and they're staring. Long story short, there are two Russian tank drivers sitting in the corner who are offering, the waiter comes and tells us they're offering to do, and it's not a shot of vodka, they, they do it by like, uh, the Russians in the corner want to do, I think, something, I don't know, five milliliters or, I don't know, whatever it is, they, they want to do the, some ounce of measurement of liquid, uh, of vodka with you. To which I reply, like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> like that would, I mean, that would be rad to have this cross-cultural experience, like, you know, a quick beverage, whatever. Um, but they wanted to like toast us because it was right when our country started uh, fighting with Afghanistan. Oh. I think I've already said long story short, so it might be too late. So medium story short, um, when I was getting ready to like maybe go and have this cross-cultural experience, I was told, don't drink with the Russians, that huh. it, it doesn't stop. And this, these were from, from Uzbeks. Like, it, it, you will be here all night long. Like, you're going to stay here all night long. Huh. That's my story, Chris. Good story. <laughs> There is now anecdotal evidence to hey. back up your research. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Um, but I got to say hi to Brent, so that was cool. Hi. All right. The Gudge. I wanted to say that to you earlier, but now we're recording, so everybody else heard it. Good. All right. Sorry. So <laughs> um, I, I think another reason, um, especially in America, one of the re- another reason, just to show you how, how many different factors are included in the consumption of alcohol, another um, thing is that less people die from drunk driving in Europe, and you've traveled in Europe, right? Uh-huh. There's, there's also a lot less drivers. Exactly. Yeah, That's okay, another that's thing is that, that there's if a lot more public transportation. Most people, uh, most people will take public transportation, and so if you're drunk, then you won't get behind the wheel yeah. because you don't get behind wheels in the first place. Right. And um, I, I've heard that. I've heard that data touted. Is that the word? Like, yeah. like touted as like like look how much more mature they are, mm-hmm. or how much more I've even heard like civilized. You yeah. know. Um, but yeah, maybe. Maybe the other variables yeah. have something to say. Exactly. And so all that to say, if, if either side, like if, if you are listening to this and you are a prohibitionist, if you are of the abstinent tradition, um, I think that when we point to different statistics um, and we don't actually pour over all the statistics and look at the mm. different 
um, ways of interpreting interpreting the statistics, then we might be missing things. Yeah, I, we we end up with like confirmation bias. Exactly. I, and I think part of that, is, and that's man, this is more indicative of our entire culture right now. Mm-hmm. It seems like I just said entire culture. That was a big blanket statement. The whole culture, the entire culture. But like we we are we are doing the zero sum game yep. thing where it is the all or nothing, and so I can find the data that that reinforces. Yep. The all or nothing, yep. and, and, and may, it's, maybe it's hardly ever all or nothing, is it? Mm-hmm. And it's not just the the people of the abstinent tradition, but those who are um, like open to drinking as Christians. Um, then I think that they can also use data to see, say, see in Europe they drink and it's totally fine, That's and no right. one abuses That's it, right? right? Um, and I've used those statistics in my youth, Chris. exactly. So <laughs> e- either way, I think that this is why it's important to to go back to what the scripture says yeah. about this, about and, the heart. And, and going to the heart and going to why are, um, why is drunkenness not something good for someone who wants to be filled with the spirit? And why is, um, why is moderation maybe a higher virtue than, mm. than Phariseeism, right? Yeah, I like that. I like that. So with that, we're going to explore a little bit of that, right? So, so, so to, to interrupt for a second. So we're saying, um, uh, scripture does not just outright give us a black and white answer. Mm-hmm. That it, it definitely gives us nuances. You have the same author, uh, the one side of his mouth saying one thing and then saying something different, not out of the other side of his mouth, not hypocritical, but just the same author speaking truth and, and says it differently. Right. Um, you've got a proverb that says these people shouldn't, but these people should. Mm-hmm. So we have some nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, we know the statistics. Um, um, and maybe it's not the statistics themselves as much as it is kind of what we're saying is like the way that we are... Um, looking for our statistics and the way that we're using it yeah. um, doesn't seem to help. And so let's get to the heart of it. So once once we once we get through all that with our students, mm-hmm. if it's with students or whoever it is you're talking to, when we get to the heart of it, where what does that talk look like? Where where does the wisdom come in? Yeah. Um, what how do we how do we make sure that we are? They, I mean, this is a big thing for me, especially lately. How do we make sure the students are walking away, hearing the heart of what we said, and not just. Yeah, but Jesus' first miracle was wine. Yeah. yeah so how, what, what does that look like for you, Chris? I, th- I think for me, it almost always means um, being honest about what the text says. Because I think the temptation could be, you guys aren't ready to know the truth, so I'm going to hide it from mm. you. Uh, the problem is, is that teenagers have radar for BS. Oh, my gosh. Um, they and, so do. Yeah, and they will see right through you're saying, well, you really shouldn't drink. Um, but then maybe here you make a passing comment about a beer to a, a staff member. Yeah. Or maybe you know the name of a certain brand of wine. Right. And that's enough of a, of a trigger for them to say, wow, oh, they're, they're hypocritical. Yep. Right. And if, if they believe hypocrisy about you, what they're, they're going to imagine what drinking looks like for these quote unquote Christian people. And they're going to imagine mm. that, that this drinking is like what they hear about in college culture. Yeah. Maybe all the, the, um, the mm. high school teachers get together and get plastered together yeah. when in reality, maybe, maybe there are a couple people who like had a beer at a meal, right. um, with food in their stomach. So right. their pyloric sphincter was closed. <laughs> and so they weren't their what pyloric sphincter. Um, it's the, Can we get away with saying that on, on the <laughs> podcast? It's the, it's the thing that connects your stomach to your intestine. So uh, a tip you. for I those of you, you who do drink, um, if you want to not have a headache and you want to not make mistakes, but you still want to taste something delicious, then you should eat food first um, because your intestines have a larger surface area. Um, and so if the oh. liquid doesn't get stopped absorb. in your stomach, um, then it'll go straight to your intestines and absorb immediately. Um, and huh. then you will regret it. You're smart. Or I have a friend who's a <laughs> biology teacher. <laughs> but I, I, but I, like what you, I like what you're saying about like just being honest with the students. Because I, I even think of like that proverb that we read earlier. Um, more often than not, it's the beginning of the proverb that is shared. Mm-hmm. And I, could, I mean, we have the students we know who yep. will just read along and be like, yeah, but Mr. Seals, look at verse six. Like yeah. you, you didn't mention that, and so, and then it almost it sets them up to think that we're hiding things from them, and yep, yeah. So, I, I so it starts with transparency. Yeah, and I think if you even Honestly. go back, go back to one of our older podcasts about um, talking about sexual boundaries mm. with high schoolers, it a lot of it, um, I, I think, is being honest about, like, okay. If moderation seems to be what Scripture is pointing toward, then saying that that is Scripture, what that is what Scripture points toward, but also still affirm and say, but 
your brains are not fully developed. This is not the right context. In the same way with the sexual boundaries one, mm. instead of just telling kids from the get-go that it's bad, 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 evil, right. evil, evil, we say, no, that's a wonderful Which thing. Which backfires a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's this wonderful thing that God created for specific context. For the right context. So if you know the right context, wait for it, um, mm. then, yeah. and it'll be great. Yeah. So I, I think that having that conversation with them allows the the honesty to say, Yes, there are cases in Scripture and maybe even in your own personal life mm. where having a drink might be okay, yeah. but guess what? It's not right now, right. Um, and yeah. it's not until your brain is yeah. done already having trouble making good decisions. You don't need to impair it any further. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, to the, so that's, that's for sure to that group of kids that is asking questions where you can tell they're, they're trying to find their boundaries. Yeah. And then on the flip, we have the kids who... Um, who are very enculturated and maybe more on the pharisaical side. And I think that that's, that's an important kind of thing for them to hear as well, like contextually, like um, this is not something to make, this is not a salvation issue. So this, yeah. is not, this is not something that allows you the right to begin judging other people right. and judge their... their yeah, I'll just I'll leave it at that. Right, and if Which, that if that student one day does end up engaging in that behavior, how much more are they going to be prone to think that they've lost their salvation, mm, to think that they aren't loved by God anymore because they did that thing? That's right, and that that's, was the unpardonable that's sin. That's so in their big, mind. Chris. For me, that's so big. With any of these topics that are, I mean, this is a you know tertiary at best. I, I, I would think. Yeah. And sorry if I offended anybody. Um, with all these topics, these kind of secondary, tertiary things, that, that's my biggest fear is that kids just, they make a religion out of it, yep. and then they, they, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, the, the sooner we can get them to wrestle with the heart of the issue, yeah. um, I think the sooner they get to actually come face-to-face with, right. with Jesus and not this weird religion. Yep. <laughs> and, and I think it's also important, though, that we, we do, like, on record say that if you are not in favor of drinking alcohol, we are not saying you should. That's right. Drink that's alcohol. right. No. And in, um, in fact, good on you. Yeah. Re- I mean, really. And then, let's be honest. Like there are there are so many stories out there. Mm-hmm. People with bad, I mean, no one, no one, <laughs> no one says, you know, I, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm gonna start drinking, and, and, and it's never like I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna become an alcoholic. Right. Like, it, or I, I, th- I think I'm gonna have a drink, and maybe later I'm gonna yep. get behind the wheel. Like, there's just so many statistics out there, right? That just say, <laughs> yeah. In the long run, probably best overall if you don't. So, yeah, please hear that. We affirm that. Yep. Like, good on you, man. Right. Just, and, just don't lord it over someone else. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that <laughs> part of what's important there is also understanding oneself and understanding the past mm-hmm. and context of other people. Because, I mean, if, if you expect someone who's only like a couple months into Alcoholics <laughs> Anonymous um, and, and getting sober to come to your house and um, have a beer in moderation with you, then then your expectations are, yeah, you are wrong. You're not a good friend. Right. That's not that's not good friendship. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like if someone struggles with alcoholism or let's not even say alcoholism, because, I mean, realistically, alcoholism, <laughs> alcoholism is it's a symptom. Yeah. Right. People don't get drunk because they like drunkenness but people get drunk because they don't like well proverbs 30 yeah. whatever that was at the end right despair like, perish despair their yeah. their poverty their misery yeah and and yeah. so i think it's, that it's called self-medicating for a reason <laughs> right and so i think that if someone has a a tendency to medicate themselves unhealthily then we're not doing them any we're, we're not doing them justice by feeding a habit, right? Or engaging in behaviors that may help them to justify right. that, that sort of behavior. Yeah. And so I think that understanding people in their past and not even just their own, like if someone's an alcoholic, but if someone was raised in, a, uh, in an alcoholic home or if someone lost someone um, to alcoholism or someone was assaulted in, in I guess, under the influence of alcohol, yeah. Yeah. then it would... Like then, that's a to- yeah, it's a to- yeah. Let's read Romans fourteen and say, mm. no, it's it's not our job to then try to convince them of moderation, right. but just say, yeah, totally get it. Like, Bro, agape. Yeah, I mean, just like, yeah, the rest of it is is commentary. It's agape in that situation. Right. What does it mean to prefer that other person in that situation? It it means to acknowledge that what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. It means to listen. It means to not, to not dangle it in front of like, yep, yeah, like what a what a punk. <laughs> You would be. Yeah. And I would even, I would even say that, um, if you still have the temptation, like if say that you do feel comfortable having an alcoholic beverage, um, and there's someone who, you know, is not comfortable with it and you still feel the need 
to have a drink with them, then maybe that should be an, an alert to say, well, if you can't go one meal mm. um, without having a drink, then maybe maybe you need to be in their boat as well, at least for a while, right? When when uh, when <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, some friends when we turned 21, I had a buddy, and man, we would make fun of him. God bless him. But he he loved to be able to order beer. I mean, he was 21, right? And so like literally, we would go to Denny's, and he and we were like looking. I'm like, really, bro? Like this? You're at Denny's? You ha- <laughs> like you just you need it that bad, bro? Yeah. Like you need a beer with your moons over my hammy? Like yeah. <laughs> maybe that's something else is going on. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it's story time today, yeah, Chris. <laughs> and I think that maybe, uh, how about this? I guess this is a good question sure. for for maybe wrapping it up. What do you do? Um, the local, the local outdoor mall here, Victoria Gardens. Um, there's outdoor seating. There is right, um, and you're at a restaurant, and uh, it is an occasion where it seems justifiable to have a beer. Um, you're not. So gonna... you mean like yeah, like a good steak? Like that's an occasion. Mm. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, so you're, but you're yeah. going to, uh, and you're not going to get drunk, you're and you're beer, not going to overindulge. Uh-huh. Um, do you still order a beer, knowing that a student may walk by and see you? Do you still order a glass of wine, knowing that a student may walk? And when I say you, I'm using the general second. I, I want to answer plural, um, second second person pronoun, just yeah. to be like, does want? Yeah. If, does a Christian school teacher have any business having a drink in public ever? Ready, go. Sure. <laughs> My wife and I recently argued about the word sure, <laughs> about how it means yes, but I'm holding something back. Yeah. Um, so go. So yes, but what are you holding back? So um, I would say the first thing, um, I have worked at a number of places now where um, I've, I've actually signed a contract. Hmm. Um, I've also broken that contract, if, hmm. you know, if I'm being honest, at, at a, when we first met. Yes. In the old days. About 20 years ago almost now. Wow. That's kind of fun. Anyways, if I have a contract, then, I mean, that would be pretty... That just be fo- would be foolish, yep. right? That just would be, in my opinion, juvenile. Right. Um, now, if I don't, then I, where I am at, uh, I would say I would probably have a drink hmm. if I wanted one. And um, because I do not believe it's taboo, because I, I do feel like I've worked this out, and this is what we're talking about on this podcast, yeah. that should somebody say something or have a question, like if I ran into somebody, I would totally have that conversation and yeah it would be maybe potentially a good opportunity to have a good discussion yeah um but it could also backfire i mean here's here's what happens someone can see it yep and they might be of the someone or people that think that it's really bad in their opinion and Mm -hmm. maybe they have made it a bigger issue and then the rumor mill can start right and And then then it's not it's not hey wayne what are you drinking it's hey did you hear yeah. Did you hear that uh, Mr. Randolph was drunk at Victoria Gardens right, last weekend? Right. Yeah. No, I just had a... So, I mean, that's you run the risk of having to have awkward conversations. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I maybe think... I, maybe I'm, I'll go, go back to sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what I think maybe. is... What, what I think is... I don't know. Maybe this is pre- too pretentious for me to say. Maybe... I, I don't want to violate um, Romans 14 um, here, but... Um, we uh, worship a God who put on flesh and blood um, and was really comfortable putting himself in situations that would spark the need need for a deeper discussion. But I think if we're going to learn from him, the most important thing to do is instead of allowing the did you hear, being like, hey, Johnny, um, what's up? What's up? Um, Have a conversation. And don't let don't let our friends hang out in the shadows. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, Because then then the rumor mill can get started. And and I think that this is one of those issues that's like we've said this before. It's like the cussing issue. And for every every one time you say moderation is important, um, you probably need to emphasize eight times over. And if you want to be abstinent, then that may like then you don't have to worry about moderation. If you yeah. want to be abstinent, then we affirm and say that that's good. And, yeah. and if you were a teenager, you have no business drinking. Like these things yeah. need to be consistently reminded. To they the need, and they need to hear a lot. And I like that you're saying that. They need to hear that a lot. Right. They need to hear a lot. And I, I, um, I, I guess something to add there too is um, when we're framing these things, you know, we're, we're remembering that we have kids in our class who are on that spectrum again. Like they, right. they're, they, maybe they go to church. Maybe this is the only church they get. Um, and so I, I think when, <laughs> I think when we're talking with those kids, um, 
it's important for the, for those that are on the path who are pursuing Christ. I think it's really, really important that they also hear, um, will this behavior, oh man, I'm being careful how I say this, um, but like, will, is this behavior, is this Christ-like? And oh. man, that's, that's so dangerous, you know. It's it's it, it, and what I mean by dangerous is an immature kid can just turn that into then a works based right. kind of um, I don't know religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but but does this does this help me get closer to Jesus? Now, if I took that to everything that I do in my life, then I would probably go mad and become like spiritually OCD. Right. But I think that that's instead of just making it the black and white again for those Christ followers, like it, I don't know, is this helping your walk? Right. Is this helping you listen to the Spirit? Right. Right? I, I, in my research, <laughs> I even remember reading um, one of the things posted by a person who runs a brewery um, <laughs> who also is in ministry. And one of his things is saying that that by producing good beers, it allows people to appreciate God's beauty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Uh, like granted, I could I know that there's some people who after hearing that someone just like, rolled their eyes, rolling their that. eyes, yep. and saying that sounds like justification for drunkenness and and sure I, if that's it what could you be to, yeah I don't yeah, know that it also be, sounds I like I don't know I enjoy a, a good craft beer I mean that sounds nice yeah so uh, all that to say um, I think in having this conversation it's so incredibly important that that the point is living the kind of life God intended us to live, right? The point is um, becoming more Christ-like. The point is authenticity um, and uh, those deeper virtues that are under the surface of, of self-control, of, of understanding of oneself, of yeah. admiration of the beauty of God and whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, and I think that if we are, like, like our last interview guest, um, if we are meant to help these students catch this. If we're meant to do life around them, then being duplicitous mm. um, and being two-faced and being the type of people that feel like we have to hide things because we don't Gosh. want people to um, know certain things about us, I think that that's kind of the opposite of what Christ came for. And, and reinforces what they most likely already believe about a lot of Christianity. Right. Which is, which is rough. And I think that's what we mean when we say things like damaging our testimony. Yeah. Um, which is weird, loaded Christianese, but right. but we're saying like, can you invite somebody to catch it from you? Yep, and, yeah, <laughs> right? and like, it, that's a way to say it. Right, and if we look at the the life of Jesus, then his testimony was damaged all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. because if it's if you're consistently trying to live up to the expectations of everyone around you, um, then <laughs> you will lose your sanity. Mm. Um, and so even even though Paul does his thing where he tries to become everything to everybody so that he might save some, um, you, you look at the gymnastics that he had to do um, and how often he still ended up in prison. Mm. Um, and you realize it's, it's sort of, it's an exercise in futility. Mm. Um, if your whole thing is to play a public relations game to get people to sign up for mm. a pyramid scheme you call Christianity. Well put. So go forth, be authentic, look like Jesus, I dare you. No pyramid schemes. None. 